0: Baker Mayfield undraftable
1: off my
2: board The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield What a beautiful
0: throw by the Baker Victor Hasta la vista
3: baby Welcome to the OBR film breakdown brought to you by the good folks at tickpick.com tick dot kcom Make sure you go there to visit the original no-fee site. The price you see at advertisement is the price you pay at the end. Take advantage of TickPick.com, who does a fantastic job in the market. Get your Steelers tickets for this weekend. Do so by going to TickPick.com slash breakdown. That'll take you everywhere you need to go to get that promotion for $10 off your first use. Again, if you find a cheaper ticket at another site... TickPick will match that ticket difference up to 110%. Take advantage of TickPick.com slash breakdown. All right, we're going to share our Monday Rewind We're am with myself, Stephen Thomas, Fred Greetham, traditional podcast setting here where we answer a ton of things that happened on Monday, ton of things that happened in the game, all the information you need right here through the OBR Twitch. Let's get over to the Monday Rewind. Out of you guys for fighting your ass off for 60 minutes. And then how about this week? How about the guys that fought their
1: ass off to fight with their brothers? Thank right you. here oh, in this room? Oh, yeah, that's a right. job.
3: Okay, talking about fighting, okay? Talking about a guy who does all the, the things that we ask him to do, anything, right? Anything for this team. Yeah. He's fought his his entire career? Just, He's out there fighting for extra right. yards? He's fighting for extra
1: yards at the running. end? Yeah! Hey, how about this stat line for you? 22 rushes for 146
3: yards.
0: Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the OBR Twitch channel. We are happy to have you here. Um, it is our first broadcast since the big win on Thursday Night Football. I am Stephen Thomas. As you can see, I'm not in my usual studio at home. I am actually at sea. I am in the middle of the ocean on the Royal Caribbean Odyssey of the Seas, which is why I don't have my normal uh, background. And Buenca is not here with me. I did not feel like trying to explain Buenca to the TSA people or ship security, uh, and take the risk of having them take uh, take him away from me. Um, we're back since the first uh, win. Jake Burns is to my left uh, over in the uh, chat. There, uh, the very first item in the chat you can see we are over sixteen hundred followers and 600 subscribers strong now on the obr twitch channel one of the fastest growing channels on the entire platform and if you want to subscribe for free you can do it at that link right over there uh, under the amazon if you have amazon prime you can do it for free if you don't have amazon prime it's only like four bucks a month you can do that as well you can subscribe there's a little pink or purple button down at the bottom it says subscribe you can do that as well but if you do have amazon prime you can get it for free it costs you nothing it'll take you about Eight clicks and two minutes to get that done. So that's right over there. Uh, welcome in, Jake. Jake Burns, the best uh, film breakdown guru in the city of Cleveland, in my opinion. Uh, first time we've had a chance to talk on air since the win on Thursday. You ready to uh, break it down and start looking ahead to uh, the bloodbath that is Halloween plus Steelers week?
3: Yeah, So I apologize for being a little distracted. I got 13 things going on. I just made it before the show started. But uh, yeah, man, let's let's yuck it up for a while. Take all your questions as well, guys, as you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, that's going to be a big part of the show tonight. Uh, the legend himself, Fred Greetham, will be joining us here uh, pretty soon. And uh, and to shout out to the chat, thanks for a new follower, JB Chill One. We appreciate you being here. And yes, D-, uh, D Steven and D Jake. There we go. We're gonna. Th- I know we're gonna talk about that guy, uh, which is uh, a good one. There, kevo 680 you're one of our regulars. Uh, but we're also gonna talk about the, the quarterback position. Uh, we're gonna talk about the, a friend of the show. Uh, Johnny Stanton, who got his first NFL touchdown on a great play um, uh, on Thursday night as well. So uh, lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, first of all, just your general thoughts on uh, on how uh, uh, Dearness Johnson played. I mean, I think I know where it's going to go. It's been pretty effusive from everybody since Thursday. But uh, since you are one of the few that breaks down the all 22, anything in there that we didn't see that was better than we thought uh, from the broadcast view or worse? Or just thoughts on Dearness taking the, the league by storm in primetime?
3: <laughs> yeah, just phenomenal second level running, right? I thought he turned a lot of what could have been, uh, you know, Steve, like a loss into a two yard gain, a lot of four yard gains into eight, 10, 12 yard gains, making people miss at the second level was was really special. Like it was really, I think Steve, when watching it again, that he caught a lot of Denver by surprise. Like I really do mm-hmm. think that there was there was some times where Denver didn't know he moved like that. And I think the Browns used that to their advantage quite a bit, Steve, when they when they mixed the pace with their running backs. I don't think that's, you know, outside of the norm for what they do, but I was pleasantly surprised with how well he caught uh Denver by surprise. They did not know he quite had the uh the the ability to one plant and make people miss like he did and and it was really unique to see and I thought not Not just the story was great, but I think it proved what you and I have been saying. and more you than me, I'll give you credit here, uh, that that he's a real NFL running back, and he was just buried. you know, I don't care how good you are. you You could be really buried behind two elite guys in Cleveland as it is. But I thought it was uh, it was really unique to see him get a chance to prove himself and uh, confirm what you said, Steve, which is that he is a he is a real running back in the NFL. And I don't know if his future sits with Cleveland. Uh, Or if it sits with another team that maybe the Browns move him or something, I'm not sure. I'm not ready to even consider those things, but he belongs in the NFL. That much, uh, I think, is pretty obvious, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. A quick shout out. We are very close to uh, a, uh, well, and I think we just got a hype train started. I was just going to say we're close to a hype train because Desert Dog just subscribed for his third consecutive month. Thank you so much, Desert Dog. And Coxer13 subscribed for his second consecutive month. Thank you for that. And then OG Philly, uh, one of our regular uh, subscription gifting maniacs just gifted five tier one subs. And I think uh, here in a second, that will start off a uh, – yep, there we go. A hype train has begun. A question from Coxer13 as well. Uh, do you think Dearness will split carries with Chubb at the same rate that uh, Kareem Hunt did or less? Um, my thoughts would be it's probably going to be pretty much the same. And you're right, Jake. We've been saying since last year this guy would be uh, running back one on a lot of teams. Uh, or at minimum, he would be you know a split backfield, share the carries guy, kind of like Kareem and Nick do. Uh, like that on a lot of teams, but in this backfield, like you said, you've got two of, uh, you know, arguably two, two of the top ten, arguably the best, uh, and the second guy is arguably top ten, arguably top five in the league. It's kind of hard for anybody uh, mm. to get a lot of carries. It, it took a situation like that last week, and I think you're absolutely right. It did take Denver by. It took a lot of the national media by surprise because I saw a lot of them saying, "Who the hell is this guy?" You know, and <laughs> we would known about him here in Cleveland. Uh, as far as your question, Cox, are moving forward. I would expect it to be uh, fairly similar. Uh, one, because he's got fresh legs and he showed that he knows how to use them against a pretty good defense, uh, at least before Vaughn went out. They were a pretty good defense. Uh, and second, because part of the splitting, that the splitting carries that they've been doing, as we all know, is to keep them fresh. Um, and if you've got another way to keep Nick fresh for what you hope is a playoff run and then a run through the playoffs – why wouldn't you do that? Especially if it's a guy like Dearness who has showed he can come in. I mean, you can't say it's not going to be any drop-off from a guy like Kareem Hunt, but it's not going to be precipitous. He's, he's going to be able to go in there and, and, and not hold the offense back at minimum uh, and add a lot to it. So I would expect it to be a similar, maybe a little bit less, but a similar percentage of the uh, touches and carries that Kareem Hunt got. Uh, I don't know. where you coming on that question, Jake?
3: Yeah, it should be. I think there's obviously snaps in the passing game that Kareem gets. That you would not expect right. for uh, Dearness to get because he's just not built that way and they could probably keep pushing those snaps over to uh, either Nick as an uptick in his usage a little bit, but also uh, you have Demetric Felton for that exact reason, right? So I do think the running splits will be better. I, I don't expect him to have another one carry game like we saw in, uh, you know, in the who was that they played there before the, the Cardinals game. Don't think that'll repeat itself. But I wouldn't expect him to get 20 carries again, right? I think they're going to give Nick his bulk of the carries and then work Dearness in when it's fitting. Uh, but yeah, I, mean, I think anywhere in that 8 to 12 range makes a lot of sense to me, Steve. And then and then we'll see what they do with the pass snaps a little bit to be seen there because they could really prefer Nick to be the, the pass protection guy too. So uh, a lot to be determined. But But I think he'll get more run carries than he did when we had an example of him as the second back when he was there with Kareem.
0: Yeah, uh, I, shout out to Cram Day uh, for gifting five tier one subscriptions into the chat there. We are now halfway through a lever, level three hype chain. So thank you, hype train, goodness gracious. Uh, so thank you guys for uh, being that, uh, being so active in the chat. We like you being here. And yeah, I think... Uh, just to just share a final point on what we think could be uh, Dearness's usage going forward, it sounds like a cliche because Kevin says it all the time and you know Baker said it and Case said it and everybody says it all the time, but it's absolutely true. It, it just depends on the game flow. You know, yeah. It depends on what's going on. I mean, if they go out to a lead and they're running the ball in the second half, which is their blueprint, the way they like to play, they like to throw to get ahead and then pound the rock in the second half, then I think he's going to get a lot more carries. But if they're having to throw the ball all the time, Maybe he doesn't get as many touches, you know, just because, uh, well, it wouldn't be a good situation. If they're in a situation against the Steelers where they're in obvious passing situations quite a bit in the second half, that Mm -hmm. does not bode well for the final outcome of this game. Um, uh, And I had, there was another question and I just lost it. I don't know where it went. Oh yeah, here it is. Uh, switching topics here. Uh, Cleveland Rocks forty-one forty-seven. Popular topic on Cleveland social media, and Miles has started to speak up about it. Finally, uh, I, how can we address how he doesn't get any calls? Uh, the Browns send yes, they do. They send all of that every single time it happens. They send stuff, and they get the general apology letter or explanation letter or whatever from you know Protect the Shield, uh, which you know obviously does us no good. But at a certain point. It, it's almost, to me, you, you've you used the Shaq analogy. I'm going to use another basketball analogy for the older uh, folks out there. It's kind of like how Bobby Knight used to get away with a thousand times more than any other basketball coach. I mean, the guy threw chairs for crying out loud, and he would never get teased because people were like, oh, that's just Bobby. At, at a certain point, it becomes routine to just sort of ignore the fact that he's not really he's being mugged i mean it's Mm -hmm. it's not even holding anymore they're wrapping their arms around his neck it's crazy is there anything more that he can do like can he we see players around the league that kind of take that NBA route and they fling, fling their hands up and, you know, all that kind of stuff and get dramatic with it. Do you think that would help at all at this point? Or is it they have the, the officials pretty much decided 95's not getting any calls?
3: It could. I mean, I don't know what else he can do. I mean, if he stops, if, he's, if he starts doing that a lot, and and not to your, to say you're wrong, but if he starts doing that a lot, then is he taking himself out of plays? You got to wonder that, right? right? And if, like, he's... Uh, If he's if he's worried about that more than his pass rush plan, that's a problem. That means the defense is winning, but it is an issue and I don't know what the issue is other than the league has to rectify it because, you know, when I think about this too, it also applies similarly to Kyler Steve We've, we've seen these roughing the passer calls on Kyler Murray that we're not getting called on other people. And you think back to what Cam Newton used to deal with, right? Where Cam, Cam Newton being this gigantic quarterback used to get hit all the time. And there are these examples of these are calls that are made for other guys that aren't made for him. Well, it's like the different guys get officiated differently and it's wrong, but it's just something that happens. And I don't really know what the fix is other than the Browns consistently showing examples of how this guy's being robbed. And, you know, I don't really I don't know because if if we had a fix for it, we would already know, you know, how to
1: right. how to
3: solve the whole thing, but we don't. He is and it's good to hear Miles mention it himself because I think you know, there's a lot of guys around the league who finally speak up and it seems like the next week it sort of figures itself out a little bit, but you know, the officiating I think largely has been bad across the entire NFL, Steve, and I think it's been a problem right. and it's a hard sport <clears throat> to officiate as it is. Uh, And I think maybe I don't know, maybe they need more eyes. Maybe there need to be more officials on the field. I don't know what the answer is, but I know that Miles, it feels like Miles has been getting jobbed for a while. And uh, just because he looks the way he does, which is unique, doesn't mean that he deserves any less. uh, um, I don't know what the right word is less. uh, fairness, I don't know. I don't know what the right word there is, but benefit of the doubt, like he should be treated as everybody else is treated in these situations. And to me, it irks me that he's not treated the way other defensive ends are. So we'll see if it shakes out any better. But it's back to the Kyler thing, like just because he's a small quarterback, he gets all these calls. We saw the two really, really soft roughing the passer calls in in Cleveland, right? Where he got called on the one that he just got pushed because somebody pushed pushed somebody into him. Right. The offensive right. lineman pushed who was it, Malik Jackson, maybe? Or I'm I'm not totally sure. I can't remember yeah, off the top my head. Jackson, yeah. But he got pushed into him. And then the other one where Malik McDowell like pushed his arm and he fell. And just because he's like five nine doesn't mean he deserves the calls you don't give other quarterbacks. So it's weird like that that the stigmas come into play. But I don't know if there's a fix for it, Steve. I really wish I knew I had or had a better answer, but I don't think there's a fix for it, man.
0: Yeah. And I think um, part of it, you know, and you said he looks unique, which is a very, you know, nice way to say looks like an alien built in a lab. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, he's just so much better that um, I think also the improvement in the video technology that we as fans, the angles and the quality of the camera work is so much better. And there's so many cameras covering these games now, like way more than there ever used to be. We see it. We see the mistakes that are and it becomes more and more difficult for these officials to do their job because they're human. And these are, you know, guys my age and older for the most part out there among guys that look like miles. So even though they'll never admit this in the back of their mind, they're still, they're protecting themselves on every play too. I would, you know, if I, Mm -hmm. if I had 22, 300 pound guys running 40 miles an hour all around me, I'd, I'd have my head on a swivel for sure. So you're going to miss things here and there. But I think the issue that most Browns fans have is it's not hidden stuff. Most of the time it's being, he's out on the edge. It's not like he's an interior guy in the middle of a pile, you know, where you missed a face mask, but who could have seen that kind of thing? It's, Blatant And it's right out there. But I think what you said at the beginning is something important for a lot of our viewers to we like to think that it's, you know, some vendetta against the Browns and everything. If you go on Twitter and look up any teams, uh, you know, uh, NFL Twitter, uh, Eagles Twitter, uh, Seahawks Twitter, there's just horrific calls every single week that go against everybody. It's been pretty bad across the league. It's not, you know, unique to the cleveland browns i think miles case is a little bit unique but the browns as a whole not getting called is not just something that that only happens here now uh here he is we've been waiting for him the legend himself is here uh he was down at berea today as the team came back from uh their long weekend off and had a had a practice and had some press availability availability uh fred greetham is here fred we'll have some questions for you the chat will have some questions for you but as always Uh, What did you hear? What do you know? What can you tell us? What happened in Berea today?
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
2: good to be on guys. Um, it, uh, you know, it's raining Berea, they were inside, so it's always really cramped quarters when we go inside and it's hard to see a lot, but I mean, they got guys on stationary bikes behind the weights. I mean, it's, it was a, you know, it's about, uh, 60 yard facility inside, but now they have all the weights out there kind of in the end zone. So there's guys hidden around on bikes and that. But with that said, I mean, the good news is Nick Chubb was out there, looked unencumbered. I didn't see anything on his leg. Uh, Jack Conklin was up close and personal, you know, right in front of us, didn't have a brace on his knee, had a little rubber band thingy. Um, but they looked like you know it's a good sign they're out there Monday. Not even kind of waiting till Wednesday. Uh, Jarvis saw him right. stretching, and then he went over on the bike. Didn't I don't think he practiced. Um, OBJ was out there, um, and he's been dealing with some shoulder problems. The reason I bring him up is because he left the game the other day, and uh, there was some concern about you know him, but he came back in. He was out there practicing today. The, the elephant in the room was Baker Mayfield wasn't on the field in the 20 minutes we watched. Uh, we talked to the coach afterwards and uh, I could sum it up with two words. Um, we'll see. I mean, he must've said that I didn't count him, but I bet you four or five times. Every answer was, we'll see, you know, he, he just really, <laughs> he just doesn't give up any information at all. I mean, He's either the most uninformed NFL coach there is, or he just really (laughs) doesn't want to lie, but um, no real information. My gut feeling is he's going to not, the Mayfield won't play this week is just what I see. He said it didn't matter if he's practices Wednesday. Sometimes it goes up to, you know, somebody even said, you know, going, if he didn't practice Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, he said, "Well, you never know. You don't know. Sometimes till Wednesday, sometimes till Friday, if they can play." But he kept going back. He did say a medical, a medical decision. He didn't rule anybody out. Um, he may change his mind on Wednesday and rule Mayfield or somebody out. But right now, and you know, I, I put in my story today. Case Keenum after the game, he said something about you know he wasn't as Accurate, and, and he alluded to some of that, but he said, "I'll get that worked out in practice next week," alluding to that he would be get it straightened out for next right. week's game. Is the way I took it, and so I threw that in the story today, thinking that you know maybe there's a little tidbit there saying that that he knows, but you know, as far as are you hearing me? Yeah. Okay, I'm getting things in my ear. But um, yeah, as far as as far as the that was the main thing was who's on the field, who's not on the field. Jedrick Wills talked. He seems to be pretty much over his thing. And I think of all the stuff going on, to me, the biggest thing is the starting five offensive linemen look like they're back healthy and ready to go into the AFC North. I think that might be more important than you know, than some of the others. I mean, Nick Chubb is huge. We we saw Dearness Johnson, so you could have the Chubb Dearness Johnson effect, but you know, the Steelers ferocious, you know, defense. And so I think this offensive line and and the silver lining is, I think you might've found something in Blake Hance that he can be your swing guy that can play right tackle, left tackle guard, you know, and and take the Hubbard role. So Um, I think it was mostly injury talk today. I don't know if I hit them all. Clowney was on the bikes. Ward was on the bike. DPJ was on the bikes. I'm getting a sense that Ward and and, uh, Peoples-Jones might miss this week, Um, but I think everybody else will be back. I don't think Clowney was anything more than maintenance.
0: Right, yeah, your tweets today, uh, you had Jarvis, uh, Najoku, Treader, Malik Jackson, and Don Johnson not, not practicing, uh, Denzel, DPJ, and Clowney on the bikes, and of that group, John Johnson's the only one to me that, like, it doesn't make sense. Like, Treader, we know his situation. He doesn't practice until, you know, Thursday, He's and we know he's going to be out there. I. I'll believe JC Treader misses a game when it gets to halftime of a game that he's not in. That's, that's how much I'm not worried about him. Malik Jackson at this point in the season, I have to imagine is just veteran rest day. Give him an extra day on the mini buy here. Uh, Landry, uh, you mentioned Najoku was a little dinged up. I, I, what He had like a knee or something last week that he was limited a couple of days. So I imagine that's the same for him. Uh, just, you know, one extra day to get ready for the Steelers and everything. So, uh, I, the only people that uh, that would really concern me, of course, Baker, the quarterback, always a concern. And I'm with you. I, I think we're leaning towards seeing another game of Case Keenum. But I said this after Thursday, if they can get Wills and Conklin back healthy and Nick Chubb back healthy, I mean, everybody who watches this team knows how much that ha- that will help whoever is under center. I mean, you know, just having that offensive line against this pass rush and Nick Chubb there to take some of the slack away. I mean, that's going to make Case Keenum even that much better. I thought he played fine uh, for a guy who hadn't taken a snap in how many years, you know, and basically didn't get any reps in practice this week, Jake, because they don't they don't get reps with the ones like they used to, right? I mm-hmm. mean, because of the the NFLPA and the agreements of the limited practice time and less hitting and all that kind of stuff, people people think that the twos still get all they get the equal amount of reps with the ones, but they sometimes they don't see the field at all during the week, right?
3: No, they don't. And Stefanski even confirmed it, that he doesn't take any reps. That's all Baker. They, the, the And I think you just said it. I'm not sure you cut out a little bit, Steve. But when they cut back on practice time across the league as a part of the NFLPA's agreement, they lost a lot of their ability to do those things, get second-string quarterbacks right. a decent number of reps. So, yeah, there's, there's none of that. So I, I would imagine, as Fred alluded to with his comment – Case is finally like, yeah, I finally get some reps with the guys who I'm going to play with here. So I feel like I'll have better timing on Sunday, and he means it. So this is a big week for him. I don't imagine Baker will practice all week, and I, I don't think this thing with Baker is going to linger a lot longer than people think it is. But, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's Case's operation right now.
2: I will say something else. Um, sure. He alluded to this last week. He They only had one practice. And Mayfield took every rep in that practice, you know. And this was before they thought the swelling would go down maybe on Wednesday and he'd be able to play. So he didn't he didn't take the reps with the first team last week at all. And so this week he probably will. At least I would think Wednesday, Thursday. What I was saying about you were asked about John Johnson at, in in a specific question when we talked to Stefanski. It was asked. What about Najoku Johnson and one other guy? I don't know if it was Malik Jackson or who, but it was somebody we weren't sure about. It might have been Clowney, and he said, "I expect them all to be out there Wednesday." Those three that were mentioned, it's in it's in my story today. I can't, just can't confirm the third one, but so yeah, he didn't get any reps, and I think that you know he managed the game well. You think about right. the Steelers and their vaunted pass rush and and tj watt and coming after baker and all that i don't know i mean i don't know what's going to go on with this in the you know the big picture but they, they they start the afc north and and they have no time to to sleep they got to come out here ready to go and it is a little unsettling with your quarterback position
0: yeah we'll get to that here in just a second uh, question here from big wave d or a big waved. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just call you Boinka. Um, uh, for Fred, you were there. Any word on Michael Dunn? He was dressed. Uh, we know he had that uh, injury at the beginning of the year, and they were slowly working him back. Is he finally healthy? Because I'm with everybody else. He he looked good last year. He looked good in the preseason. He looked good in camp. Um, with all the injuries and shuffling, I'm surprised that he hasn't popped up somewhere uh, on the line at this point. Uh, any, any insight on Michael Dunn?
2: Yeah, funny you should ask that because Stefanski was asked about him today and he said they looked at him more on the inside, not because some people thought he'd have been in the mix to be the tackle when Wills went down instead of Hudson or Hans.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: he said, no, we really look at him more of an interior guy, center or guard, and he is the backup center right now. If J.C. Treader goes out at all, he's your center. Because Nick Harris right. is on injured reserve. And there's no real talk I've heard about him coming back soon. But Dunn is looked at as a center guard. He seems to be, they seem to be pleased with him. He got behind, obviously, with the back. And when we talk about reps, that affects everybody, even behind the quarterback. I mean, the offensive linemen don't get as many reps, you know you know, with the, with the first team other than scout and so forth. So now I think they're pleased with done. And just the fact that he was active kind of shows that he's close to playing. They, they don't take those, those, uh, game day actives lightly. And, uh, you know, if they need more depth, I'm sure he'll be, you know, you know, him enhance Primero, I think are your inside depth right now. And, uh, and it is interesting that somebody asked about him today because I know we've had a few people ask on our chats. Well,
0: it's good. Just I mean, everybody knows, you know, how important health is uh, just to get out there and get all the reps together. And Jake, I'll throw this to you. Um, Everybody talks about, you know, case with a full week of practice, getting his timing down, getting his rhythm down. And that's valid. Absolutely. One hundred percent. I'm not saying it's not, but it also works. Uh, for the offensive lineman getting to practice and get the timing down with the new quarterback, right? Because everybody, they drop at different speeds. They drop to different depths. And if you're, especially if you're a tackle, you need to know where you need to push that. If if somebody's trying to run the arc at you, you're like, okay, this guy's trying to run at seven and a half. But I know Case always drops to seven and a half. So I got to push him to nine, right? I mean, it's it'll help getting those guys in there with Case for a full week too, right? You're muted, buddy.
3: I am muted, buddy. Uh, the way the, the his voice <laughs> sounds matters too, right? The way his cadence, sure. uh, all that rhythmic structure stuff that helps you anticipate when a snap is coming, uh, I think is, is wildly important. And yeah, the depth of the drop, <clears throat> the way he normally gets the football out, uh, all of that is, is really important, Steve. You know, like his timing, little idiosyncrasies that every quarterback has. Where does he like to roll? Does he prefer to sure. roll right? Does he more often prefer to step up and hang in the pocket, you know, that's a different thing. So, uh, yeah, as much as it – it helps the quarterback most, obviously. It helps the wide receivers and timing of throws uh, second to the, to that skill group, tight ends too. But it definitely is like, to me, it, it helps everybody, you know, to an extent. And the linemen and, and the cohesiveness of play calls and the huddle and in and out, what does it all sound like? What does the audible stuff sound like? So, yeah, I think I think it all ties together, Steve, and It does, it does have an impact on the linemen for sure.
0: Uh, moving to the wide receivers, we've got a couple of questions. I'll throw this one first to you, Jake, uh, and then there's one that I'm going to throw to Fred here uh, after we get through this one. With DPJ peeing out, why can't we have pretty things? My question would be um, his role was growing, obviously. He was sliding up. He was becoming the number one read more and more often. With him being out, and I know Kevin said something today. I can't remember the exact quote about him getting hurt in pregame warmups maybe led to some of the penalties because guys had to slide into different spots in the wide receiver room and take on different responsibilities. Who in the wide receiver room now, assuming that OBJ plays and Jarvis plays and they're all healthy and all that kind of stuff, is best to take over the role that DPJ was growing into and putting a hammerlock on the two or three weeks before he got hurt? Was that
3: one for me? Jake. I'm sorry. It, it's yeah, that was for you, out my Give me that one real quick again. It's it, These headphones are not operating all too high. Quick question. What,
0: with, with DPJ out, who on the current roster has the best skill set to step in and take over the role that he was hammer-locking down before he got H- hurt?
3: Higgins, probably. I mean, Higgins can do a little bit of everything. I think... I think they don't really have a guy like a vertical route tree runner like him. I mean, DPJ, not DPJ, OBJ, we get a lot of acronyms here, can do a lot of that stuff too because he can do pretty much anything. But Donovan was doing a lot of the unique downfield things that I think they really liked from him. So Higgins can do some of it. He's not as explosive an athlete, but he can do some of it. You would probably like to get David a little bit more involved in Joku. I don't know why he's like one out of every four weeks they find him uh, uh, consistently. But I really don't feel like they have a great replacement for Donovan, that type of player. They just don't have a replicable right. player there. Now, again, you know, OBJ can do some of those things, but I don't think he's physically as big. I don't think he's quite physically as strong, and he prefers to do some things in the shorter portions of the field while, while Donovan filled a really specific role for this team. So it is going to be tough without him. I, I've been – very patient about him in the preseason. And then I've seen the signs that I wanted to see throughout the year that I, I think he could right. be a really f- big focal point in the next three years. So I, I'm, I was really bummed that he didn't get to play uh Thursday night. And I'm really bummed. He doesn't get to play for a few games for it. Cause I think he's showing a lot of importance to this team, not always with the ball in his hand, but it was nice to see him getting the football too. Cause the, to me, you know, he's, I know he's run a lot of routes and he hasn't been targeted, but he can't throw himself the football, Steve. Like he's good. He's right. good. And he's proven that of late. So I was hoping they'd give him the ball more. We'll see when, when he can bounce back. And if he gets back to full strength, and it's just such a bummer to have that happen in, in a, in a up scenario, you know? So um, hopefully they get him back. But as far as like truly replicating him, very hard to do. Uh, they'll just have to uptick Higgins and uptick a little bit of what Schwartz can do and try to get him downfield and, Unlock him a little bit. I thought Shorts had a really nice catch on a dig route Thursday night. That he was in the middle of the field, kind of everything swarming in on him. He did a good job, but they don't have a similar player there to be sure.
0: Well, physically, I mean, that was one of the things why we were all shocked that he lasted so long in the draft. Physically, there aren't a lot of people like him. There aren't a lot of wide receivers at his height and weight that run the way he does and can yak the way he does. It's why. You know, if he continues to develop, steel is not going to be the word for much longer. It's going to be an outright robbery. Uh, sticking with the wide receivers, another question from the chat from uh, Ty. Th- Kylie Johnson, 61, 30, 80, or Boinka, I think is how that's pronounced. Uh, Fred, uh, do you see the Browns? The trade deadline is coming up, so we're going to get more and more of these types of questions, and we welcome them. I love this time of year. It's so much fun to talk about all the possibilities and the rumors and stuff. Uh, but, Fred, do you see uh, the Browns having any interest in Brandon Cooks, who is rumored to be on the block down in Texas, uh, given all the injuries they have at wide receiver?
2: I think it always comes back to asking price, you know, as far as, you know, what his contract status is and, you know, what they want. Usually at this stage of the game, you don't give up. you know, if you're trying to get rid of somebody or you're telling you're on the block, you see guys like this go for a lower round, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It'd definitely be, be worth it. If you're looking long-term, you know, if you're thinking you're going to move on from one of the one or both of the guys you got on the roster right now with their salaries but um i've seen many times in the nfl that guys just don't it's not like baseball where they get traded and they just show up and they go right in the rotation because right because they just pitch you know it just seems like you even saw it with ronnie harrison last year i realized that's defense but it just seems guys just don't walk off the plane and play, you know, and they have to know the plays and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know how hard they go after that. I think there's other areas that, you know, that um, they would, they would consider before that, you know, and I'll just piggyback early on the, on the people's Jones. I think it's similar to JOK on the other side, both of those guys were really just starting to come on when you looked like they were both feeling comfortable and starting to really get involved in the offense and the defense. And so it's, it's, it's sad to see them out here because sometimes you come back and you're kind of like starting over again. So anyway, that's my take on Cooks, but throwing in the other stuff as well.
0: Uh, speaking of case, uh, Jake, with this uh, Steelers pass rush, and they've struggled on the back end this year. Everybody knows that. Uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about their offense here in a minute as we start to look ahead to the Steelers. Um, but I want to talk about their defense a little bit. Their defense is not what it always is. They've, they've struggled in the secondary. The second level isn't what it has been. Uh, this seemingly endless array of random linebackers that they plug in and turn into superstars has apparently finally ended, thank God. Uh, but that front wall, that pass rush is as good as anybody in the league and it can take over a game. So, uh, there was a question in the chat and I'm going to paraphrase it. Do you think they're going to load up to stop, uh, uh, Nick and D'Ernest Johnson and see if, you know, number five, still rusty second game back after four years or however long it's been can beat them over the top.
3: Yeah. Why wouldn't they? Uh, It's to me, if you're, you gotta think of it from a, a defensive coordinator's perspective, like. If I'm if I'm going to look at the Browns roster, who's gonna hurt me the most? Mm, probably Nick, Probably how they run the football. What can I do to stop that? Look at what the Cardinals did. They were putting eight people in the box consistently and sometimes only playing three defensive backs. That's how bold they were about it. So I do think the teams are gonna load the box. Pittsburgh has a very formidable uh, pass rush approach. They don't stop the run game very well though, consistently. Right. So yeah, I think that there's a chance for Cleveland to do that. But that if I'm Pittsburgh, I have I have no fear of, of Cleveland throwing the football downfield. Why why would I care? Right. Like I to me, it's like I would have no no concerns about that whatsoever. So uh, you know, like if I'm thinking about this from the Browns perspective now, I would say, hmm, they're probably gonna do that, but also who cares? Because I watched them play Geno Smith last uh last Sunday and have still, still give up large chunks of rushing yards. So I think the Browns plan doesn't change, but I do think Pittsburgh's got to go into this game thinking, yeah, we have, we have to stop Cleveland's rushing approach, whether they're giving it 20 times to Nick or they're giving it 20 times to, uh, to, to Dearness Johnson. We can't let those guys be the reason we lose this game. So I think it's pretty simple. And I, I think Cleveland should have some chances to take down field, but they got to pick the right time to do them, right? You know, you can't you can't just imagine it's going to happen whenever you want. You got to find the right times when you think the tendencies align with when they're going to be aggressive, what down in distance do they like to blitz and try to catch them in one.
0: Yeah, uh, Fred, uh, tagging on to that, with Case Keenum being a, uh, you know, as they say, a wily old veteran, which is something they've, that, you know, some of the guys here at the OBR have called you and me on on occasion. Um, him deciphering pre-snap, his pre-snap indicators, and getting the ball out on time and in the right spot is something that he should be able to excel at. And in that scenario, you would think that, especially without DPJ and with Jarvis back, Jarvis on the slots and hitches, uh, slants and hitches, uh, OBR, gee, many Christmas, I can't talk tonight. OBJ on the seam routes and uh, go routes that he likes, that uh, he can beat uh, uh, blitz coverage and one-on-one uh, stuff. Uh, he could smoke people. Uh, do you think that that could, even though people are looking at it as well, can Case Keenum hold up? It could play to his advantage if they get too aggressive. He knows where to beat him, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I thought he had some chances the other night. I don't know what. I'm sure Jake brought it, broke it down. I don't. I saw OBJ get down the sideline early and looked like a touchdown, and Keenum underthrew it and. You know, the guy intercepted it out of bounds. But I mean, when he if he'd have put the ball out there, it'd have been a touchdown. I saw one, mm-hmm. I think the Schwartz later, and so I don't know if it's his arm or hurrying to get rid of it because of the rush or what, but um, you know, that's what they're gonna make him do. If if they don't feel he can get the ball downfield, um as far as like a baker can or whatever, then then they're gonna play underneath and try to, you know clamp down and make sure or or entice them to go deep so I don't know but I would think that the quick you know the quick ones the quick slants I don't know why we don't see more of that to me it seems like you know obj just with a quick slant takes no time and it's just boom boom and he breaks the tackle and it's a touchdown so I would look for some of those and if they creep up or send somebody, you know that's what you count on his veteran, uh, experience to say, okay, let's, let's go deep because they committed, they overcommitted and we got a chance here.
0: Yeah. Jake, I mean, in that situation, I mean, uh, the simplest thing about beating the blitz is, and, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the easiest way to do it is replace the blitzer, right? Wherever he, if you mm-hmm. see it pre-snap, if you figure it out, wherever he's coming from, you're supposed to, anyway, have a hot read, you know, route into that area. That's where you throw the ball, right? And Case should be smart enough to figure that out, at least most of the time, right? Yeah, you hope so. I mean, it depends
3: on situation, like, you know, the deep ball. And I should go back and backtrack it to 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 talk about the deep throwing game. Cleveland's been trying it. They're just they're miserable at it right now. Uh, between both quarterbacks, I think Cleveland has the the worst collective pass. Uh, Pass on target percentage of twenty yards downfield in the NFL right now. So it's not even that they're not getting open, which I think they have been open. It's that they're not even they're not even giving their guys a chance. So that's a thing, right? That's a thing, and uh, we're just going to have to kind of see if they can figure out the connection on some of these. The ball there that Fred was talking about, that the interception happened on, that he was out of bounds. There was just nobody holding the single high safety. It was a two man route concept, so you were booting back toward the double move, and the safety was just over top of it because he had nothing else to read. If you hold him down with some kind of route, you then get one-on-one in OBJ's direction and you have a chance to complete it. The ball could have been thrown a little (laughs) further upfield, but uh, again, Case is not a flip the hips, drop a dime guy like Baker can be when he's right. You know That rolling out to your left as a right-handed quarterback is not an easy thing to do, so take that for what it's worth. But for the most part, I feel like there's going to be in, uh, uh, several opportunities in this game where Pittsburgh will dare you to do it, and I think it's just about like once the once the the breakthrough happens, they can start trying to pile a couple more of those on because they've had opportunities, they're just not they're just not accurately placing them, which is even more frustrating, right?
0: Yeah, it's it's been, especially from Baker, uh, because, you know, the first three years, even when he was off on other parts of his game, he was always among the best deep ball throwers in the entire NFL. So, I mean, now that we know how serious it is, it's hard to imagine that it's not the shoulder that's affecting that, that kind of accuracy. Uh, we'll talk about the Browns' defense versus the Steelers' offense in a minute, but I wanted to get to this question because it sort of dovetails into this next four-game stretch uh, from Coxer13, who uh, uh, a little bit earlier subscribed for either second or third month in a row through amazon prime there's a link over in the chat over there if you have amazon prime you can subscribe absolutely for free cost you nothing take some money from jeff bezos and send it to us here at the obr uh who you're more worried about the bengals or the ravens and i wanted to bring this up because i think a lot of us and, and probably the ravens chief among that list were shocked at what happened uh in maryland yesterday uh the bengals are the bungles no more they are for real whatever anybody thought about them Uh, preseason has has to be thrown out the window this is a team that we have to be concerned about and so this next four game stretch becomes even more critical but uh, first thing uh, I'll throw it to you Fred first if you had to pick one of those two the Bengals or the Ravens who who concerns you more in their specific matchup with the Browns in their current state right now
2: well I would still say the Ravens just because they they haven't figured out how to stop a running quarterback yet. I wouldn't call Teddy Bridgewater one. Um, Kyler Murray didn't run a lot, but he did enough. Herbert did enough. And I felt all along, you know, Lamar Jackson stopping him is the key, you know, for the Browns to stop the Ravens and ultimately to win the AFC North. I've, I've said all along this season is all about winning the AFC North. And it looks like the road is much more difficult than originally thought the Bengals. Yeah. Right now, today, they would be the number one seed in the AFC playoffs with a five and two record. Um I thought they'd have an offense, but I didn't think their defense would be, they've actually taken the route of picking up some pieces and parts, you know, on free agency. One of them came from the Browns, Larry Ogunjobi, and have put together a pretty good defense. You know, they, they really corralled Jackson yesterday. And so yeah, both of them. You got two games with them, two games with the Ravens and two games with the Steelers. And the Steelers might be, you know, the one that you you would think might be the the easiest of the three and I don't think any of them are going to be easy and <laughs> but if I was to had to pick today I'd still say the Ravens, you know. I can't, you can't figure this league out. You, you you saw what the Chargers did against the Browns. And then you saw the Chargers play the Ravens and they looked like a third rate team, you know, right. and, and the Ravens looked like the best thing that ever happened. And then yesterday it was just the opposite and the Bengals were in that mode. So I don't know if it was like under Freddie kitchens when the Browns just blew the Ravens out, you know, one of those games or mm-hmm. what, but I sure you know, I was wrong. I thought the Bengals should have taken that big tackle to protect Burrow. And this Chase kid, wow, they got a connection. And it sure be nice if Burrow was in the northern part of the state instead of the southern part of the state. That's all I'll say.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think, uh, and a lot of people dunking on some uh, Jamar Chase uh, uh, draft takes. And just to clarify a lot of people who were against that pick it wasn't about jamar chase himself it was about how they desperately needed offensive line help and they, they could have taken it there so the fact that the guys they picked in the second and third round and stuff have stepped up and been as good as they are makes it look like a great pick so that's fantastic but over to you jake if you had to choose between the bengals and the ravens the way the browns are currently constructed who's a worse matchup who, who worries you more they both do.
3: <laughs> I don't know, man. Like I, I, I commented in Slack about this. Like when you don't have at the time, we didn't know Nick was back. But like when you don't have Baker, you don't have Nick, and you didn't have Kareem. Like I don't feel good about beating anybody, man. You just like those are your right. best players. And Jok's out, and the tackles were out, and all that. And now some things have gotten better since that conversation this morning. But like I don't feel good about either of them. I think I feel. I've seen Lamar just just bastardized Cleveland now for a couple of three years. So I'm just by nature, more worried about Lamar and what he will do because he's just so hard to stop. And it's just like, sometimes these games happen, like everybody's crowning Cincinnati and there's a lot of Cincinnati people dunking in Twitter. And it's like, Hey man, we're like a quarter of the way into the season. Slow down a little bit. Okay. Cause there's a lot of football to be played here. But like the thing that I think about all of this is we don't know who's good and who's not. And it feels like it shifts every single week in the nfl partly because practice time is so limited these teams you you're not as good as you used to be because you don't have as many reps it takes until about the end of the year to really have gelled cohesively and you're if your quarterback just has a bad day you know then you're done you're done and and it's like these little breaks these little tiny things that happen in games like jamar chase catches that slant and gets tackled for 18 yards no it he gets pinballed around and stays on his feet and goes for 70. You know, like it's just these little things that happen in NFL games that move everything. I think the Bengals are a good team. They don't worry me as much as as Baltimore. They're a good team though. And I think they're in the they're they're a little ahead of where everyone thought they would be, uh for sure. But it's just like I just feel like there's there's just a bunch of these little narrow things in all these NFL games that happen, and it's like, well, then you're two and five when when you're like that team could easily be five and two if you look at it the right way. You know what yep. I mean? So it's still early, and I know it's not really that early, but it's still pretty early. There's a lot of football left to be played. I, I do I do really think the way Baltimore plays is hard for a lot of people. Cincinnati did a great job Sunday, but can they consistently do that against him? I don't know. And I thought Lamar was fine for the most part in that game. I just think that, that Cincinnati caught Baltimore in one of these games. Like if you if you go back and look at almost every Baltimore year the last five years they have these games where they give up 400 passing yards. I think they've actually given up 400 passing yards three times already this year. So when you talk about, man, I wish we could play defense like Baltimore, you do understand what they're doing, right? They're, they're risky aggressive, like really, really risky aggressive to the point that they give up 400 yard passing games and things of that nature, because they're just in your face all the time and they don't have any fear of getting beat deep. So the grass isn't always greener on the other side with some of those things. I think you have to look at it that way too. So uh, both teams present unique challenges. I think, I think the, the connection Joe has with his wide receiver group is undeniable. Uh, But if you can take away some of the things they like to do and make Joe hold on to it for a couple seconds, you can get him in a fit. I think that Cincinnati did a great job keeping Lamar bottled up Steve and as best they could make him continually make, like make Lamar make throws for four quarters and that not that he can't there'll be games where he'll beat you by making the throws, but, if you can do that, it's better than letting him just when you rush out of control and crazy. Right. It's better than just being undisciplined. So, um, just I, I just here's my thought. Wouldn't it just be great if once in a while, like the rest of the AFC North sucked and Cleveland was good? Could we ever have that? It feels like Baltimore <laughs> and Cincinnati has figured it out for stretches, and Pittsburgh has always figured it out. It'd just be great if the rest of the, the division sucked for a while, but we can't get that. They all keep getting it right, so here we are, man.
2: Well, and all your top quarter young rising quarterbacks all are in the AFC. I mean, you yep. you look at Jackson and Allen and Burrow, and you know right Herbert and right down the line. It it's very it is Mahomes. It's very frustrating. It's it's you feel like wow, NFC, you got a bunch of older season teams, but that's the way it is. And so that's why the thing with Mayfield is so precarious because you're just saying, well, this is you feel like you're in a crossroads with this yeah. season. Do you do you really feel like you can win the Super Bowl with Case Keenum? Um or Baker Mayfield, or you have a better chance. So what do you do? You just keep plugging along and plug them in, hope he doesn't get hurt and Heal them up and just kind of you just you just don't feel like you have all your, you know, cylinders hitting together because of the way this is structured. Yeah, I think
0: to tag on to uh, Jake, um, the Ravens apparently have finally the injury bug is starting to catch up with them this year. Uh, they've been just ridiculously healthy year after year after year after year, never having a problem. And it looks to me like they're getting some problems on that defense. And to tag on to what you said earlier, too, uh, teams could, teams are 5-1. and one. They could easily be 2-5. and five. Uh, The Ravens should have lost uh, to uh, the Lions. They should have lost to the Chiefs. Not could have, should have lost both of those games. We all know here in Cleveland, the Browns, easily could be 6 and 1 right now that Arizona game is the only game they really truly lost the rest of the games they I think they beat themselves because the, the margin Chiefs in the loss NFL looks
3: worse week by week doesn't it
0: <laughs> we see we say it we've said it a million times the margin in the NFL is this every single week it's 2 3 maybe 5 plays that turn the tide of an entire game and it seems like it's gone against the Browns Uh, well, since, since I was born really, but, um, which brings me to why I brought this question up because I wanted to lead it into this next four game stretch. The Browns have four games before the Baltimore doubleheader, And like Fred said, you know, with the Bengals surging and everything, there's now a factor, but we still think the Ravens are the roadblock to going that we have to get through to go to the NFC North. You've got the Steelers, you've got the Bengals, you've got the Patriots, and you've got the lions. I think they have to, at minimum, get three of those. They have to find a way to get three of those heading into the Baltimore doubleheader, or not only is the AFC North in, pro- in jeopardy, but making it to the playoffs could very well be in jeopardy because the AFC just seems to have so many teams right there stacked against one another. Fred, do you see any way uh, that uh, uh, they can get three or four of these? um, without getting, obviously they need to get completely healthy, but your thought on the next four games, how critical is it? And if you had to pick one that, uh, they weren't going to get so they could grab the other three, which one would it be?
2: Well, I think the division games, you know, the Steelers and the Bengals, those two, if you even were two and two, I'd take those two, you know, over even right. losing in the lions and the Patriots, because, you know, the division, but I do think, yeah, I think that they need to win this week, get themselves to five and three. That's exactly where they were last year when they kind of put it together in the second half of the season. I think, it. I think the thing is you look at these, these are all winnable games. None of them are give me's, but they're all winnable games. So yeah, I think you could win all four of them with that said, realistically, I think three out of four would be a tremendous thing. You'd be seven and four after 11 going into the two ravens games but if if you could only i didn't if you could only win one game in the division is that what you're asking me
0: no I was, I was saying if there was one that you look at it right now and you say that's probably the hardest one they if so they need they absolutely have to win these other three because they're probably going to lose that one
2: well i don't i don't know if any of them I look at that but i think the toughest one would be the bengal's game so if you won the other three and you're still, you're seven and four, I think you're right in the mix with the seven playoff things. Um, you know, you, you get yourself back to where you were last year. I think you'd be in good shape, but I think all things being equal, you want to, you want to win those AFC games. You already lost, you know, two of them early to the chiefs and the chargers you'd like to beat, you know, the, the Patriots. And you like to beat. The Bengals and the Steelers. Obviously, the Lions are winless, but it's all those games are important. You know, you hate to say every week's a must-win. I felt like the Broncos was a was a crossroads, three and four going in the Steelers. I would have felt like, yeah, it's not over, but but you've just dug yourself a hole. The key is, I was afraid they could be as far as three games behind the Ravens. You know, after right. if you lost the Broncos and assuming the Ravens beat the Bengals, now it's it's you're one game out of the top seed in the AFC. So that's how it's gonna be a dogfight. And I just think you just gotta stay, you know, get yourself healthy. To date, we haven't had any season ending injuries. Mayfield might be the closest, but obviously it's important, but If you can stay healthy, you want to be playing your best in the second half down the stretch. And starting this week of your remaining 10 games, six are in the division. You can really control your own destiny with those six division games.
0: Jake, this next four-game stretch, make or break, critical? How critical is this next four-game stretch leading into the Ravens doubleheader?
3: It's it's Yeah. It's critical. Make or break. If they go three and four or even two and two, it, it becomes a massive uphill battle. I think they have to find three wins. Uh, it won't be easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but if they want to go, they could, listen, they could go two and two and find a way Steve uh, mm-hmm. for sure. But uh, it, to me, you, you really need to go three and one here because there's three games between the Patriots lions and because the Patriots defensive back situation is a disaster. If you go to the Patriots, uh lions and then pittsburgh those are games you need to win like just you just flat out need to win and if you don't like we said it's going to be really hard i mean the Bengals can be a coin flip that's fine but going two and two with that end of the season stretch which you got the packers you got the raiders you got Mm. you got all these different challenging teams uh if you go into that like i don't even know what their record would be what are they sitting right now four and three so if you lose three and win two you're looking at what six and six and seven what's my math steve help me out here they were to if they were to lose three or four it would just not be fun they would be yeah it'd be
2: six and five
3: yeah it would it would be it'd be if rough if you went
2: two and two yeah
3: it, it would be rough and i i just i'd hate for them to be back against the wall there uh, as i can't i prove to everybody watching i can't think on the fly without smoke coming out of my ears um <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. You just you got you got to win some of these games, man, especially these three very, very winnable ones. And I think Cincinnati's a little more coin flip than people want to admit for sure. So, um, yeah. And then because after vital. this,
0: the thing about this is you, you nothing's easy in the NFL, but they they're favored against the Steelers at home. I, I think they should win this game, um, whether they will or not is a whole nother story. Uh, the Bengals, like you said, is a coin flip. They should win the Patriots game. We know they're going to make the Lions game far more difficult than it has to be. We just know that. That's just <laughs> Cleveland. That They're going to make it far more difficult than it needs to be. But if you come out of this quartet in any kind of hurt, the next quartet is why this is so critical because you've got Baltimore, Baltimore, and then you've got the Raiders and the Packers, two quarterbacks that at least the way they're playing right now will absolutely carve up this defense if they're playing eight yards, ten yards off in quarters. Yeah. If they continue to do that, Carr and Rodgers will throw for 6 million yards. So, and then, you know, you're setting up playing the Steelers and the Bengals back-to-back to to close the season and potentially must-win games and hostile environments and all that. It's – this next quartet is uh, is incredibly important. So we've got about five minutes left here. We said we'd get back to the, talking about uh, the Browns defense against the Steelers offense. That's obviously the most important one. You can't win all four games this week. You can only go 1-0 and this week. So when you look at it from the Browns defense perspective, the Steelers offensive line has gotten better, okay? They're still not what I would call good, but they're not the tire fire that they were the first few weeks of the season. Ben Roethlisberger is not the quarterback that he was, but he is still good at getting the ball. He's like second or third in the league at getting the ball out quickly. And they have a a wide receiver core that can take those short passes and turn them into long gains. They can still do that. So with with what I just said, Jake, we'll go to you first. And then Fred, you can close. Um, How did, how critical is it that they get a little more aggressive in the defensive backfield? Because the front four has been getting pressure consistently all year, uh, but they're laying so far off that it's really not making a lot of difference. They're giving up tons and tons of easy throws underneath.
3: Yeah, they have to cover the flat better. I think that's something that really irked me about the two-second half. What was a 13-play drive and a 17-play drive from Denver. Like right. You have to cover the flat better. If you don't cover the flat better, then like, why are you playing – zone coverage, you know, it just, it irks me. It's like you, you can't just give up those easy throws uh without being there to rally. Cause you can give up those easy throws. If you're there to rally, Steve, like you can, you can jump up, make a two yard tackle. Sweet. Got it done. That's what we want to do. Right. But if those catches that are two yards turn into nine yards on second and 10, right. well, it's stupid. So yeah, they need to get more aggressive. They're doing well enough to generate pressure with the front four, get a bit more aggressive in terms of your pre-snap alignments and your right immediately post-snap uh decision making and be more aggressive playing the routes you see unfolding in front of you and go from there i think that that's that's what is is important about i don't mind the way they play it i don't have an issue with it but you got to be able to react quicker react quicker react quicker like the touchdown to melvin gordon in the flat people are you know joe woods gets the blame for it that's fine it's what it's what your job is as a coordinator but like they're playing red too and denzel ward is right there in the flat ready to tackle like he's he's literally in the flat to tackle a running back out of the backfield in the flat and he just whiffs he doesn't react quick enough takes a poor angle and he whiffs and it's like i don't i don't know sometimes i think we have to we have to balance it out here i know we want to blame all the blame gets put one place and i get it it is ultimately going to find its way to a coordinator good or bad whether players don't get fired in the nfl you know like they they don't really get fired in the nfl from from their jobs especially midseason, it's coordinators who bear the the, the blame and you know, that's just what you sign up for but the guy got to make plays too so there's a 50 50 there that needs to make sure this the, the balance is found and all that stuff so it, i i just don't i don't think that what they're what they're trying to do is flawed i just think that there has been some application errors and I think that leads to some of the, the the distrust that we see right now and some of the complaints that we see right now, because it's just not, it's not quite meshing the way we hoped it would mesh.
0: Yeah. Uh, Fred uh, final question of the night here for you. Uh, the Browns defense, obviously it's not the uh, Steelers offense that we've seen and you've covered for the length of Ben Roethlisberger's career, but They're a team that knows how to find a way to win a football game with whatever their strengths and weaknesses happen to be. So looking at it from the defensive standpoint, what does the Browns defense in your eyes need to do better or differently or continue to do? How should they attack Ben Roethlisberger and this offense to come out with a win on Sunday?
2: Well, I kind of – I agree a little with what Jake's saying is is that – you know, the front four has done well. I think they need to mix it up a little bit more and get the pressure, even if it's got to get a little more out of Delpit, you know, blitzing and coverage. But I would want to see the guys. Now, War probably won't play, but I think Williams, Hill, and Newsom can get up there and press the receivers because last year we saw Robert Jackson and those guys playing 15 yards off. Because they had a lead, and the whole game he's just throwing five-yard, five-yard. You know, I, I want him up there taking that away and making Roethlisberger throw the ball deep. And hopefully your your guys can get to him before he can. So that's what – I want him to build on what they did. I think the big key against the Broncos, they got off the field the first four times, every every drive in the first half. That set them up to get 10 points. They had the block field goal, but they got the lead. Then they played from like kind of the the bend but not break to just make sure that, that if the Broncos were going to go the length of field, it was going to take 17 plays or 13 plays. I don't like it, but that's what they were trying to do is just maintain the lead and kind of run out the clock. So that's what I want to see them do. The defense get off the field again on third down, put the pressure on the receivers up right at the line.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the 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 blueprint is pretty straightforward. I'm not going to say easy or simple or anything, but it's pretty straightforward. You got to get pressure with your front four, and you got to make plays on third down. That's been the Browns' bugaboo uh, all year. And against a team like the Steelers that just thrives on momentum, you make one little mistake, and they find a way to, to make you pay for it. For like the next 10 plays, uh, they can't afford to do that. Uh, We are done for the night. Thank you to OG Philly for gifting the five tier one subscriptions. Thank you to Cram Day for gifting the five tier one subscriptions. Thank you to all of the new followers, all of the new subscribers, everybody who participated in the chat. We love you guys being here. Uh, We will be back. Jake will be back tomorrow night with um, uh, OBR Film Breakdown and uh, Chalk Talk. And then Wednesday, uh, Fred will be back with uh, OBR Weekly, with uh, Barry. Thursday, we'll have the uh, round table and then on Sunday we'll be back live pre and post game uh, from Old River Tap and Social as the Browns take on the Steelers on Halloween. That is it for us here tonight on the OBR Twitch channel. Thank you guys for joining us. We will see you tomorrow night and as always, go Browns.
2: Go Browns! Thank you guys.